Heavenly Father, exciting time of the year as we look forward to Easter. Look forward to celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. And Lord, we are doing what we can to put some invites out there via many avenues. And we pray, Lord, that you go before every invite. You go before every conversation or flyer that is shared or, or uh, social media post that is, that is passed on or maybe an email that is sent. Lord, would you go before everything, before we talk to somebody, would you go before us and prepare hearts and minds so that when we do take the step of faith and we open our mouths and we say, hey, would you come? Join my church with us uh, for Easter Sunday. Lord, that people would respond and that people would appreciate the invite and us taking the time to care about them and, and invite them to, to participate with us. Lord, uh, we just want to pray this morning also over this morning's message. We've been walking through, Lord, this book of, great book of Colossians, this great letter, uh, learning what it means to be in Christ, what it means to, to walk in Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you'll speak in this room. Lord, I know you have a message for every single person in here today, that your Holy Spirit wants to speak to each and every person. And Lord, I pray you do that in this place today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. That's where we'll be at today as we continue in our journey walking through this great book, the book of Colossians. Let me ask you a question this morning as we begin. How's your heart been lately? That may be a question that quite possibly when you go to the doctor, the doctor is concerned about. Many times doctors want to know and they look at numbers and, and medical exams. They want to know what's your heart condition. And a doctor will often explain and encourage and challenge us about our diet and our exercise because many doctors understand that if you have proper diet and proper exercise, that help takes care of your heart. If you come where you have a, a history of heart disease in your family, the doctor is even more concerned about what's going on with your heart. And today, we'll have a parallel question that the Apostle Paul asked us to look at our hearts, but our spiritual condition of our heart. Now let me remind you, the Apostle Paul, who's written the book of Colossians, or the letter of Colossians, wrote it to the church at Colossae. They were a newer young church, and they were struggling in some issues where false teaching was creeping in the church. And Paul writes this letter to them. He's about a thousand miles away in a prison, but he writes a letter to them to encourage them in their walk in Christ and to continue to stay strong about what they believe in Christ. And so today he gets to the heart. The heart is mentioned in the Bible, in several areas. And in the Bible, when it refers to the heart, it's talking about the inner self. It's talking sort of kind of like what we think of as our mind, but it's going even deeper than our mind. The heart is where the voice of your whole inner self speaks. What you think, what you will, what you desire, all comes from the heart. The Bible talks about the purposes of the heart, the thoughts of the heart, or the desires of the heart. The heart is the place where your actions and your behavior actually begin. As Jesus said, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and the list goes on. It all starts from within the heart. Jeremiah, the great prophet, also diagnosed our, our sinful heart and says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Sometimes we have a hard time understanding our own heart. 
understanding why we do what we do, why we think the way we think, why we behave the way we behave, because it comes from in the depths of our heart. Our hearts are called stubborn in Scripture, disloyal to God, perverse and calloused by nature. I mean, our hearts are hard to deal with. It's that inner thinking that comes from comes out. And so we pray, as the psalm writer would pray, created me a pure heart. Oh God, search my heart and know me, oh God. And so today, the Apostle Paul addresses what's going on inside of your heart. Look at the text with me in Colossians chapter 3, and I'll begin with verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Paul addresses our hearts and specifically our heart of peace. How's the peace been lately? If you walked in here today, maybe you're carrying some burdens or some stressors or some challenges. Are you walking through those with peace? Paul says, here's a way to live in peace when you live in Christ. First of all, he says, you must choose peace. It is a choice by the power of God inside of us to say, I want to live in peace. Notice the word rule that's in the text. In the original Greek language of the Bible, it's an athletic term that was applied to the officials of the games. We would call them umpires, or in central Kentucky, we probably know them better as what? Referees. Now, as of late, some of us around here have not loved the referees. I understand that. But the referees are to do what? They're the ones who control, or they're supposed to control, the action on the court. Right? But they're supposed to control it fairly according to the rule book. Paul is telling us that the peace of Christ is the umpire or the referee of our heart. His peace is to have the final say or the final word on any matter that is going on. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ umpire. Let the peace of Christ keep your mind in the right mindset with whatever you're walking through. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. But who or what rules our hearts many times? I mean, if you let worry have its way, you will have no peace. If you let complaining and criticizing control you, there will be no peace. If you let guilt grip you, there will be no peace. If you let anger and bitterness and hatred and revenge or fear rule you, there will be absolutely no peace. And they were struggling with having peace because they were not following just the ways of Christ. They were starting to listen to all the false teaching that says you need a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they were confused and they were disoriented because they weren't following just Christ. For many years, Argentina and Chile have been on the verge of a war with each other over a boundary dispute. Finally, they started to realize and go, you know, a war is not going to 
be futile. It's not going to help either one of us. It's going to be futile. There's no one's going to get honor if we go to war. And so they agree to a peaceful solution to commemorate this peace agreement. In 1904, what they did is they melted down some of their cannons and they used some of the metal from their rifles and they melted them down to a very large statue of Christ on the mountain boundary between the two countries. You see it pictured there before you. That stands to this day at the boundary between Argentina and Chile with both of their flags and the picture of Christ holding the cross. Underneath the salute, they place this inscription. It says, Sooner shall these mountains crumble into dust than the peoples of Argentina and Chile break the peace which at the feet of Christ the Redeemer they have sworn to maintain. I mean, they were saying, let the earth fall apart before we have war against each other. Let peace rule and let the peace of Christ rule. And on this lonely mountain peak in the Andes, the huge statue of Christ stands, and they call it Christ the Redeemer of the Andes. It's a beautiful picture of what Christ does when He rules our hearts and how He brings peace. Christ is the Redeemer of our lives. John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I imagine some of you say, yeah, I understand that verse. Especially that part where it says, in this world I will have trouble because some of you walked into this place today and you're dealing with some financial trouble, you're dealing with some health troubles, you're dealing maybe with a marriage trouble, you're dealing with child-raising troubles, you're dealing with work kind of troubles. And Jesus says, in me I have overcome. Put your life in me because I will bring you peace in the midst of the trouble because I have overcome them. And then in John 14... He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And that's just as Jesus was telling them, listen, I'm going to move on from this place. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'll rise. I'll go to the Father. But you don't have to be troubled because I will be with you. And Jesus also said, blessed are the peacemakers. Those who work towards bringing peace to one another. Scripture tells us that we're to promote peace by putting the needs of others before our own needs. We promote peace by forgiving those who have sinned against us, by seeking forgiveness from those who have sinned against us. Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgave you. It's possible to be struggling with lack of peace because there's lack of forgiveness. This week as preparing, I came across this prayer from a Married woman, she said, Lord, I pray for wisdom. Wisdom to understand my man. Lord, I pray for love. Love to forgive him. Lord, I pray for patience. Patience because he's one moody fella. Lord, I don't pray for strength. Because if I had strength, I'd beat him to death. Sometimes we feel like that in our personal relationships. I just want to hurt that person. I want to get revenge in that person. I wish that person didn't do. And we're hurting our own peace because we're holding on to unforgiveness. We promote peace by praying for people and praying with people. We promote peace by refusing to gossip and refusing to grumble, which Scripture calls sin. 
And we say, I'm not going to have part of that. We promote peace by seeking the good in people and praising them for it. Instead of seeing the bad in people, to start looking at other people and saying, what have they done good? Who are they? i, I got to tell you, if you can start looking and saying, God, show me the good in my wife. God, show me the good in my husband. God, show me the good in my kids. God, show me the good in my boss that I work with every single day. God, show me the good in my coworkers. God, show me the good in the school teacher that I have to deal with. God, just point out the good and erase the bad. Lives get changed. And personally, yours. Because we tend to look for the negative. We tend to see the bad. We tend to see the shortfalls. But when we promote peace, we start seeking the good and God starts to change our lives. Let Jesus rule in your life and his peace will rule your heart, your words, your relationships, and your attitudes. How do you live at peace? You choose it. It's a choice. God, I want peace. I want to walk in that. Today, I choose it with your strength and your power to help me have that. Secondly, you've got to embrace God's word. Paul says, unite and embrace God's word. Let the message, Colossians 3.16, let the message, that's the word of Christ, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitudes, in your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Does that mean let it visit you? No. That's not what he's talking about. Does that mean let this be a guest in your heart to come for a few days and leave? Nope. That's not what he's talking about. To dwell in you means to let the word of Christ move in and take up residency inside of you. See, if you do this, then his word will remodel your life. He will remake your priorities. He will reshape your thinking. He will replace your old life with a new life for all eternity. Let me ask you, church, and I feel like I ask this often, what kind of diet of this have you been devouring lately? If you want a new life, it will not come unless you engage in God's Word. Impossible to have unless you have God's Word in your life. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I stood up and I confessed that Jesus is my Savior and I put my faith in Him and I was baptized and I received the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. Don't I have a new life at that point? Yes and no. You have a new life because now you have a new creation and you're new in Christ and you have the promise of eternity, but you will not experience the newness of life to walk on this earth until you know God's Word. And that's how you get to know the the God and the Savior, Jesus, and how you walk with the Spirit is by knowing His Word. It has been said that this book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the, do- the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, and its histories are true. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, the Christian's character. Christ is its grand subject, our good purpose, and the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Follow its precepts, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to the glory itself for all eternity. Do you know the word? So Paul's saying to us. Paul's saying, are you dwelling in it? See, when it comes to the word of Christ, we must love it and learn it and live it. What is this to you? What kind of part does it play in your life? 
So you get into His Word so that His Word can get into you. If you want to be controlled by the Spirit of God, and you want the Word of God to control you and to direct you and guide your life, then you have to allow this into your life. Hebrews 4 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You see the power spoken of about God's Word. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Probably been here before where I've used the example of them walking with a candle at nighttime. And it was so dark outside because they didn't have street lights, they could only see as far as the candle would light up, which maybe just a few feet in front of them, the lantern is lighting their way. That's what God's word is. It lights the path just a little bit ahead of us, and it keeps lighting the path. So as I take a step, God's Word keeps guiding me. What's been guiding you as of late? Paul Powell writes, many say the Bible is old-fashioned. Well, so is the sun, but without it men grope in darkness. So is the air, but without it men gasp and die. So is water, but without it men go mad. In the midst of the complexities of life, don't forget the Holy Bible. Believe it, read it, and heed it. It holds the key to life. Yes, this is old-fashioned. But it's the key to life. It's the key to living. In the book of John, John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light, the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, and Jesus is the Word. This is not a dead, lifeless truth that we profess. It's alive. It's vital. It dispels doubts, fears, and difficulties. Then we can truly sing with gratitude in our hearts because we know that we have been blessed way beyond what we deserve. How, how do we live in peace? We must choose it. We must embrace the Word of God. And thirdly, Paul says we must seek to praise God. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Therefore, in whatever I do, I will seek to praise Him. Paul saying, whatever you do, praise Him. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example of this. Listen to his word in Galatians where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul, the one who, who went to the doorsteps of death, the one who was in prison, the one who was beaten, the one who was snake-bitten, the one who was shipwrecked, the one who carried the message of the gospel said, I've been crucified with Christ. He was choosing to praise Him, saying, I don't live for myself, I live for Him. Who lives inside of you and me? When people look at us, who do they see? Stories told of Gordon Maxwell, a missionary in India, that when when he asked a, a Hindu scholar to teach him the local language, the Hindu replied and said, No, Sahib, I will not teach you my language. You would make me a Christian. And Maxwell replied and said, You misunderstand me. I am simply asking you to teach me your language. Again, the, the Hindu responded, No, Sahib, I will not teach you. No man can live with you and not become a Christian. Man, what a testimony of life that was. I'm not going to spend time with you and hang out with you and teach you because what he had witnessed was when people spend time with you, they become followers of Jesus. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's amazing what an attitude of gratitude can do for, for us and in us. Giving thanks will change your perspective and your priorities. Instead of looking for the bad, you'll be looking for the good. You'll count your blessings and not count your burdens. You'll be grateful for what you have and less greedy for what you don't have. You'll be hope-filled and not helpless. But sadly, there are so many people whose lives are not at all like that. story is told of two friends who bumped into each other on the street. One of them looked miserable almost on the verge of of tears. His friend asked him, what has this world done to you? You look horrible. The sad fellow said, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. Congratulations, man, that's a lot of money. He said, yeah, but then two weeks ago, I had a cousin who passed, and I never even met him, but he left me $85,000 free and clear. And his friend's thinking, this guy must be crazy. He says, that sounds like you've been way beyond blessed. He says, you don't understand, as he interrupted. He said, last week, my great aunt died, and I heard it a quarter of a million dollars. Now, if you're doing the math, that's 250 plus 85 plus 40. That's $375,000 over the last three weeks. The guy said, yeah, but why do you look so doom and so gloom? And the sad fellow sighed and said, This week, nothing. In Jesus Christ, we have so much to be thankful for. Now, that's just a play on numbers. You stop and think about it for a moment, though. How much has Christ blessed you and we still walk around with doom and gloom? I got a roof over my head. I have a car that gets me to work. I have lights that I can turn on just by a flip of a switch. Most of us could probably walk to our refrigerators, and I would imagine we open them up, and they're filled, and they're filled with leftovers that we end up throwing away in the next few days. Have you noticed the blessings lately? Or do we forget about the blessings? Children are healthy, have pretty good schools around us. Have you stopped and thought about the blessings from Christ as of lately? I want you to take out a piece of paper right now. Go and get a pen and a piece of paper if you can get one. Uh, Use the message notes if you need to. Grab one that's on the chair right there. I I want you to do a little exercise with me. I don't want want to just talk about, okay, you need to choose thankfulness and you need to choose to praise God. I want to give you an exercise that you can do, that you can put into practice right here, right now, today. Today that can change a whole perspective and can bring peace to you. I want you to write this down. Lord, what should I be thankful for in my life? You don't have a piece of paper, use a note in your phone or whatever. Just get that question going. Lord, what should I be thankful for in my life? That's a prayer. And when you pray and say, Lord, what should I be thankful for in my life? God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, will trigger some things in your mind to be thankful for. He might say, hey... Just just be thankful that your family's healthy. Be thankful that you had dinner on a table last night. Be thankful that you made a sale this week. Be thankful that you have a job. Be thankful that whatever, fill in the blank. But you start to start thinking right now. Lord, what should I be thankful for in my life? What comes to your mind? Whatever's coming to your mind is God doing that work inside of you right now, and you could start writing that down. Lord, what should I be thankful for? Church, I would encourage you, don't just do that one time sitting here. This should be our mindset every day. 
This should be our mindset every day. And I would suggest to make that a prayer before you go to bed. What do we do many times? We go through a day. We go through the ups and the downs of the day. We go home and we talk to our spouse or we talk to our kids. Well, how was the day? Well, it was rough. I had this. I had to deal with that person. I had to deal with this person. Oh, I lost the sale. Oh, I failed the paper. Oh, and life is so challenging at times. We're talking about the end of the day and then we go to bed. What do you think Satan does with that? He grabs your mind. He says, oh, you've gone to bed all negative and all down, and so let me just make that grow inside of you. And it starts to take root. And so then you wake up the next day, and what do you do? You're thinking about the stress of yesterday because you didn't recognize the good that God's been doing in your life, and next that day then probably starts out stressful. You can change your whole mindset just by changing the way you end your day before you put your head on a pill to ask, Lord, what should I be thankful for today in my life? And when he says, you should be thankful for the great wife you have, for the wonderful husband you have. You should be thankful for the food you have. You should be thankful for because you made a sale. You should be thankful that you have a job. You should be thankful you have clothes in your bag. You should be thankful. And you start filling that blank. You fall asleep with a heart of thankfulness and not a heart of worry. Not a heart of thinking about what God's done in your life. And you wake up the next day going, man, some good things are happening between me and God. It starts to change your whole mindset about life. And then you'll start just starting to notice and you'll start thinking things like, God, as I go throughout my day, help me to keep a thankful list in my head. Help me keep a thankful list just to see, oh, man, that conversation I had with the waiter, that was so cool. God, thank you for that conversation. Oh, God, I got a chance to help my friend just process through something. Oh, thank you for, for that opportunity. And you'll start seeing opportunities to be thankful. Write those thoughts down. See, at certain times in life, we'll go to a doctor. Doctor will draw blood, send it off to the lab for some testing. Probably many in this room have walked through that experience one time or another. They send it off, and you might get a phone call from the nurse that says, Hey, your blood came back. Everything looks great. You might get a letter in the mail with your results that says, hey, here's some results. You might get a call that says, hey, you need to come in. we got to talk because some of your numbers are, are a little bit off. And If you see the scores on that kind of stuff, you'll see a whole list of things. They'll look like your HDL, which is your good cholesterol, and your LDL, which is your bad cholesterol. They'll look at things like your thyroid count and your vitamin D count, and the list is numerous what they can test just by doing a draw of blood in every single area that they look at. There's always a measurement number saying it needs to be higher than this, lower than this, it needs to be within this range, and if all those numbers match up, everything's good. But when one's out of whack, then that's when the doctor says, hey, let's adjust the diet. Hey, let's put some exercise in. Hey, let's go get another test. I want to ask you this morning, right where you're sitting, we're sitting here with the great physician. He's in our midst. I want to ask you, with his help, to consider a report. If he were to give you a, a heart checkup, a blood test, so to speak, a report this morning... How would you score? Let's just use a simple scale, say 1 to 10, where 1 is, I'm really struggling, and 10 is, I'm just doing fantastic. How would you score when it comes to choosing peace? Would you score a 1? Would you score a 1 where you're like, man, I just have so much 
unrest inside of me. I'm not choosing peace in anything. Would you score a 5? Would you score a 10? How would you score when it comes to embracing God's Word? It's an active part of your life. You're allowing it to dwell in you richly, and that would be like a 10, or no, I'm really struggling. I don't really crack the Bible open. I don't read it. I don't look at it. Besides when I come to church, preacher, and you put it on a screen. How would you score? How would you score when it comes to seeking praise? Are you noticing things in your life to go, man, God is good. We will have troubles in this life. We're promised that. But we can still have a mindset and a heart that says, God, you're good because in the midst of the troubles, you've conquered them. How would you score if you did a little evaluation this morning? Paul tells us that peace is a possibility. Peace is for all of us if we walk in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great letter. Thank you for these words from your apostle, Paul, that you've inspired him to put on a piece of paper to send to your church in Colossae and then send around the world for centuries and generations to come. God, we can learn so much. Father, I pray today that we learn, but then we also want to live. We want to live your words. Lord, I want to pray for some in this room, we need to choose peace. We've been choosing discontentment, been choosing struggle and strife and worry and fear and doubt way too much. Lord, I pray for people who are in that journey. Lord, I pray for those in this room that need to embrace your scripture. There's some in this room, Lord, that just haven't. And I, Lord, I pray that you would change hearts and minds in this room, that we would have a hunger for your word. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would want to see the positive and praise your name for it. See how you're working constantly day in and day out and to choose to lift up your name in praise. Father, every week we have an opportunity to praise your name when we come to this time of communion time when we receive the emblems and we're reminded of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. What an opportunity to praise your name. What an opportunity to be thankful that our sin problem has been taken care of, that our slate has been wiped clean, that the blood has covered our sin, and now we're right with God. We praise you this morning. Father, we honor you and we praise you as we now move this time of communion. It's in your name we pray. Amen.